Hello and welcome back to Schizotopia. As always, I'm your host, Maxwell Cody, and joining me tonight, citizen journalist and truth seeker, Ashton Forbes. Ashton Forbes, how you doing? Hey, great, Maxwell. How are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing excellent. Um, before we get into it, uh, before we get into MH370, um, I just wanted to know a little bit about your background, you know, how you became a citizen journalist, how you got into the weird world of uh, unidentified flying objects, secret technology, and and all of the sort. Yeah, well, I'm definitely new to the uh, unidentified flying objects and definitely to the secret advanced technology as well. Uh, you know, my normal job is a healthcare uh, consultant and healthcare IT. And uh, I've just kind of got into this. I was interested in UAP since about 2007 uh, when the DOD Navy videos were declassified. That's when I thought, oh, well, maybe, there, maybe there's something here and kind of been lurking social media, what have you, watching kind of uh, some of these documentaries that get put out about the stuff. So I'm somewhat familiar with the UFOlogy, but not as deep as people have been looking for 10, 20 years. Um, it wasn't until a few months ago that I was on uh, the UFO subreddit and saw these videos reemerge. And the community did a huge amount of investigation for like over 10 days. It was nothing but different threads on the investigation. I started saving all of them because early on, I noticed that in these videos, it seemed like we were looking at somebody who did a screen recording, not somebody who was like recording with their phone or with a camera. Um, it was somebody who was actually potentially really logged into the database that was a real leaker. And I thought that was very compelling, especially when we see two videos that were both of the same event from different angles. And one of them I remembered seeing back in 2014, well before I got involved in even thinking about UAPs being real. And I had dismissed it back then. And when I looked at it again, I went, wait a minute, this does kind of line up with what we've seen from these FLIR videos and um, the satellite picture that we'd seen from Trump Post. Um, and so what's where science has kind of gone to now where we know that like quantum teleportation is real. So I thought, okay, you know, if these videos are real, then we should be able to authenticate every aspect of them. So within just a few days, I started posting this content and started getting a lot of attention. And uh, I tried to get the media to take a look at all this stuff. I was pinging all these big media people, the CNN, MSNBCs, et cetera, but nobody was looking at it. And I just thought, oh, this is weird. Like, I mean, they're, they're at the time they were making fun of some kid in Vegas who said he saw aliens in his backyard. And I'm going, why aren't they looking at these videos? Like, this is some of the most compelling evidence I've ever seen. And when they wouldn't do it, I said, okay, well, you know what? I'm just going to make myself a citizen journalist. I just dubbed myself with that moniker. And we started writing about it. We started investigating. And early on, there was a lot of people who jumped in. We made this uh, organization, MH370X, made a Discord, had hundreds of people start joining. Actually ended up having to make it private because a lot of stuff was leaking out of our Discord. Um, and that's really how I became a citizen journalist. It's nothing I ever expected in my life to have happen. But I think we're at the point now where this thing has grown and gained so much momentum that it's going to be really tough to stop. You know, And if these videos are real, then there's a disinformation campaign by the government that's trying to keep them quiet. So you weren't, as a kid, you weren't like a UFO guy. This no, was not, not an area of interest for you. No, and I wasn't even really into conspiracies either. So this has been a huge <laughs> red pill, as they say, from the Matrix for me. Um, because now I'm staring down potentially the biggest conspiracy in the history of the world. You know, even so just, it, I mean, oh, go ahead. It, so it was, it was the Tic Tac video that really sent you? That's the one where I realized like, okay, there's actually some credibility to this. There's actually like the government's admitting they're seeing weird stuff out there, right? And I'd heard stuff before that, but just nothing like I'm a very rational, logical person. Like I need to have really solid evidence to believe something. It doesn't mean I have to have like, you know, non-human intelligence beaming down in front of me. It just means like I have to really see evidence that's very compelling. Like I always think of it like a court case, like in court cases, you can still convict people on circumstantial evidence, but it really has to, you have to tell a story that makes sense, right? And until I saw those videos, I thought, you know, we don't really have any good stories for how this all makes sense. 
And then I'm like, oh, well, they're seeing these things all the time, right? They're just not telling us. So now we got these videos declassified. I'm going, oh, wow, they're seeing these things all over the place, right? And that's what got me interested early on in 2017. See, the Tic Tac video, that one really sent me too, because I remember it being pretty, uh, pretty, I found it pretty compelling. But then the thing that really got me going was then when people were trying to explain it, they're trying to say, well, no, it's actually a balloon that they're looking at from parallax view. And I remember just kind of thinking, well, but now you're expecting me to believe that train fighter pilots don't know what a balloon yeah. is versus what something else is. And why would they, you know, it just like, it, it was actually the really bad explanations that ended up being more compelling to me than the actual video itself. Um, so that one I thought was really interesting, but mm -hmm. uh, the, the uh, case in question, uh, I remember in 2014, Malaysian Airlines uh, went missing and it became sort of the story of the year. It was just on TV, on my phone, on my screen, uh, nonstop. And since mm -hmm. then, I've heard tons of conjecture about what happened, about they got abducted by the Chinese, about, you know, there were people on board who they wanted to assassinate and all kinds of outlandish theories. Um, someone, a very good friend of mine, sent me these uh, very strange videos of the flight appearing to be intercepted by flying orbs. Um, I mean, I'll be posting a link to the video for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, but uh, it's two different videos. One appears to be taken from a satellite and one uh, appears to be taken from a, a drone through a thermal lens. And it appears to show um, uh, MH370 being intercepted by three um, flying orbs that begin to uh, rotate rapidly until they all vanish in a, uh, a puff of light. So it looks like something right out of science fiction. And I will say this, I think the reason why it was so kind of shocking to me the first time I watched it is I've been watching UFO videos and weird stuff all my life. Um, I've always been kind of into this stuff. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen satellite footage before. I think that's one thing that made it look kind of made it made it look interesting. And, I, and I've certainly never seen like drone thermal footage before. So I don't know. What 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 are we looking at here, uh, uh, Mr. Forbes? Like, what 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 yeah. the hell is going on? Yeah, and so we had to figure out what we were looking at, especially in the satellite video, right? We see have this video. It's called satellite video airliner and UFOs. That's all it says in the video. There's not even any tags MH370 on it. We end up finding out that Regicide and on the account that posted this, the earliest version that we can find so far, made a Twitter account three days after the video was published on May 22nd. The video was published May 19th. It says received March 12th, 2014 on the video. And in their Twitter account, the very first post or the second post, I guess, first one says, hey, well, I'm on Twitter. Second one says, watch this video before it's deleted. And they tag MH370 in it. So when we're watching this, we have to try to figure out, okay, are, you know, are we looking at non-human intelligence here? Are we looking at advanced technology here? Are we really looking at satellite video? What does it mean when we say satellite video? And I think the debunkers have really pushed the envelope in terms of us finding the evidence because what we realized is that we're not looking at an actual satellite looking through a telescope. We're looking at satellites that are sending infrared data to a centralized computer system, probably a very advanced one, maybe even a quantum computer that is able to produce a real-time 3D video playback, Google Earth playback for the military. And the purpose of that is battlefield awareness, which is actually the stated purpose of the cyber system, space-based infrared system. And if you <clears throat> just Google this right now, your audience can do so, and go to the videos tab, you're going to find Lockheed Martin right at the top. And you're going to find a wonderful demonstration for this, which we could not even imagine would be out there in the public view. And right now, I want to say as well, everything that we have investigated is in the public sphere. There's, none of this is coming from classified information behind the scenes. Like All of this is just out there in the open. And they're scanning the Earth all the time with all these different satellites everywhere including the two the sister satellites that we found, USA-229, which are directly above the Nicobar Islands at 1840 UTC, 
staring down at the coordinates that we see in the quote unquote satellite video. In the bottom left, there's coordinates down there. The person that leaked this, the videos tell a story that we have basically deduced and realized that the person that leaked this was probably watching an airplane, having this information relayed to a computer system that they were looking at a screen and they were seeing this tracking the plane in real time. And then on the other screen, they've got the drone and they're tracking it with the drone as well, which is an MQ-1C Gray Eagle. And they're using multiple sensors, multiple uh, visuals to be tracking this plane. And it's in the exact location that the narrative says that this plane turned into the South Indian Ocean. And so we're going, well, wow, that's quite a coincidence. It's actually in the Greed Pond flight path. We've got these coordinates that are five decimal places that move in real time when they shift the perspective of the screen. There's so many details here that just make it almost impossible for anyone to fake. Uh, so this is where it starts to get extremely compelling. And we, at this point, I think, have put together a story that fits with the evidence more than anybody else's story to date by a wide margin, magnitudes more. And that even adds to the credibility of the videos, because if the videos weren't real, why does it match up with all the evidence to date to make the story that makes sense? Now, does it seem impossible that three orbs can circle around a plane and make it just disappear from space time? Yeah, but we've been able to explain that, too. It seems like we're not looking at UFOs here. We're not looking at non-human intelligence. We're looking at what I would say is probably Lockheed Martin technology. And we're looking at an operation here. The reason why they're filming is because this is an operation. They're expecting it to happen. And where is it going? We can't say exactly because we don't have two more high quality videos on the other side. But I've been talking to engineers and physicists. And right now, the best theory is there's a fourth orb. I've actually been starting to get called Ashton four orbs <laughs> um, because the idea is that you would entangle these three orbs to a fourth orb. And then at the moment where the singularity forms, which is not a black hole, it's not a explosive event either. It's a transitional phase state change of this plane where it's basically being slingshotted or rubber banded back to the location of the fourth orb at either the speed of light or even above the speed of light, quantum teleportation. Um, and this then makes it just extremely advanced technology to the point where we start to wonder what is even our reality. If we can pull this kind of thing off with a 777, then do we live in a simulation? Do we live in a, you know the holographic principle is what we're in, essentially a matrix? So that, yeah, go ahead. Before we get too far down the metaphysical <laughs> rabbit hole, which I always love to do, but before we yeah. do that, um, what what would the point of intercepting this plane be? I mean, yeah, why well, this plane? And I think this is the part where the conspiracy theorists have the hardest time believing is, well, maybe they're just doing it because they have the opportunity and this is they're doing it out of their heart. So the scenario we put forth is when this plane goes dark over the South China Sea, there's a lithium-ion battery fire explosion. There's 221 kilograms of lithium-ion batteries in the cargo bay of this plane. That's 500 pounds. Lithium-ion batteries are extremely dangerous. We didn't know how dangerous they were in 2014. This was like the emergence of figuring it out. In 2015, the FAA outlaws lithium-ion batteries in the cargo of passenger planes. That's how dangerous they are. And it's because there's nobody down there watching. So the idea is these things are starting to smoke, smoke, smoke. And at 1721 UTC, boom, explodes, fire explodes. Guy on an oil rig, Mike McKay, sees the plane on fire at the maximum distance he can see it on a very clear night um, just over the horizon. His sighting gets misreported as it crashing because the way he sees it, it's so low on the horizon, he can't even really tell how close the water is, but it's at cruising altitude. He sees the fire go out. There's a bunch of witnesses along the coast that hear loud noises at the exact same time. And now the plane turns back and goes to Penang, which is the closest airport that you would go to in an emergency situation. Um, and so what we have here is an emergency scenario, right? Then there's a bunch of fishermen. 10 minutes later, after the plane goes dark, they see the plane flying extremely low, eight of them. So we have now already... 18 witnesses that are corroborating a fire event, potentially a depressurized plane from the magnitude of the explosion of these batteries. But it's not that the pilot's trying to asphyxiate everybody. So he's trying to save everybody. He's trying to fly low enough that they have enough oxygen to be able to breathe. So 
then if this is true and we have this fire scenario, then what it means is they're trying to save this plane to some degree. Maybe this event that we see, that's this endothermic event. So people wonder, why is it black in the thermal? An exothermic event is an explosion. It's a release of energy. If somebody was faking these, they would fake it as an explosion. Like, haha, the plane blew up. Not as an endothermic event where it's an absorption of energy. But this absorption of energy may suck the energy out of these batteries. The reason why lithium-ion battery fires are so dangerous is because something called runaway lithium-ion battery fires, which is that they have so much energy in them, if you put them out, they just start back up again. Just like a trick candle on somebody's birthday. You can actually watch videos of it. It's incredible to watch how difficult these things are to put out. And especially if you have you know, 500 pounds of them stacked on one another, it's going to be almost impossible to put them out. So the motive then becomes to save the plane. Now, a lot of people argue government's just not that nice, right? Why would they risk showing this technology? Which I agree, that's a very huge risk. That's to be a really, really, really good reason. And all of our investigation to date says that that's related to these 20 free-scale semiconductor scientists. These guys are connected to U.S. defense. They might be connected directly to the technology and to the orbs that we see. There's even a 2005 NSA security report about commercial emergence of room temperature superconductive microchips. And these guys are listed, Freescale Semiconductor listed nine times throughout it. The company broke off from Motorola in 2004. In fact, just yesterday, I posted an interview from a guy that was a contractor for Motorola when this company broke away. And just weirdly at the end, she doesn't even ask, the interview doesn't even ask him. Is, Can I just tell you what my theory is? It just got sucked into a portal. It's like, what? Why is he saying that? And people play it off as a joke, but he's not joking. And so that we have all these connections that they're directly connected to the U.S. defense. So it seems like that would be the most logical reason. You could also make, so I know I'm not trying to tell people what to believe about this. So if people find that too hard to believe, you know, I think you could also argue they're trying to prevent these guys from going to China. Maybe it was an espionage setup from the very beginning. Maybe the fire was intentional. Um, and then you could also argue that maybe this is some kind of test. Like this plane is doomed. It's on fire. They can't land at Penang for whatever reason. So they have this rendezvous point in the ocean. Maybe they're pre pre preventing to, uh, pretending to, uh, not pre preparing to land in the ocean. And it does look like the plane's doing that in the videos. It's flying very low. It's descending. It's turning, which would be like, you know, that's how you would land in an area where you don't have a runway. So it could be they're preparing to land in the ocean, but it's middle of the night. And so if this plane hits the ocean, it's going to break apart. Everybody's probably going to pass away. Uh, they may drown. So they may have said, okay, you know, let's fire off our secret tech and see if we can save some of these people. Um, so it really could be a multitude of different things. And if you believe that it really is non-human intelligence and you can't believe that we have this technology, that we've been able to reverse engineer this technology, then, you know, yet opens it up to a bunch of different hybrid scenarios as well. You know, uh, maybe non-human intelligence are benevolent and they are trying to save this plane. Maybe they're sending it to another dimension. Um, hard to say, but my belief is that they are, uh, trying to save this plane and they're sending it somewhere else on earth. That's probably not super far away. And then they hide the plane after that. And so all of those people are being kept in a camp somewhere or i mean well that's a big question and um an article that i found as well that kind of dug into some of the conspiracies that there's several different things that could happen now at this point this is where i say i want to send my condolences to the families who have gotten no answers that make any sense to date uh official narratives make no sense whatsoever and that they've just basically been lied to this whole time um i don't know that it is very likely that everybody would have even survived to the point where we see this these videos happen because we're talking about a lithium-ion battery fire raging for an hour and 20 minutes, toxic smoke billowing throughout the plane. We're talking about a potential depressurization event from the explosion where the gas, the masks on board the plane only have about 25 minutes of oxygen. So my guess is that not everybody would have survived this situation in the best of circumstances. And then the question is, can they even survive this macroscopic phase conjugation that we are looking at here? 
which is the rubber banding effect that I'm talking about where the plane teleports essentially from one location to the other. That's questionable as well. Theoretically, it seems possible, but we don't know for sure. So however many people may have survived, I think that some people must have because we didn't find a crash. We didn't find a debris field anywhere. You know, it, we, it's not like we found a debris field in the Atlantic Ocean or something, right? We just never found a debris field anywhere, which is impossible for a 777 crash in the ocean. So that's why I believe the most likely scenario is this plane somehow made it through this event and landed somewhere safely. And then what you do with the people, well, most of them are Chinese nationals. So China would probably have us over a barrel because either we have to eliminate all these people, you know, send them, uh, have them go sleep with the fishes, or we have to return them quietly in exchange for China's silence. Now, that may seem unlikely to some people, but what I would say is, what's China going to say? Oh, the United States teleported the plane and then returned our people. Like, again, people are going to have a hard time believing that, just like they have a hard time believing that I'm saying it, right? So it's not like a situation where the other countries can just admit to it either. Um, so there might be a mutual understanding of, okay, we'll send the people back to you, but you got to keep them quiet. And, you know, maybe we, we figure out how to compensate them for that. The hardest people to keep quiet would be the Western passengers. Now, in China, they can definitely restrict access to the media, no problem. I would argue that our media in the West is no different. And I think that people think that we're free, but we're really not. Main evidence for that is that nobody from the mainstream media has tried to approach me on this. And yet I've done almost 50 podcasts already. So people are interested, but mainstream media does not want to report on it. And I think that uh, the Philip Wood, the American passenger, he would probably get sent into witness protection. He probably told your old life is over. You know, here's a new life. Uh, you know, his girlfriend, Sarah, she might never know the truth. Um, and that's really hard to think of, but uh, you know, I think that's what happened. I don't think the families would have been reunited. The main reason that I have on good authority that several of the family members have moved on, remarried, et cetera. And if they had gotten reunited, I don't think that would happen. So um, it could be that it could, and they, or they could be living out on, you know, some base in the middle of the Indian ocean where they just can never leave. It's hard to say exactly what would happen, but no matter what, it's a terrible situation, right? There's no good outcome here. Whoa there, partner. Looks like you've just stumbled into the Kava Spirit Zone, brought to you by Kava Hall, TM. If you're like me, sometimes you want to kick back and relax without having to worry about the awful hangover the next day. Well, kids, alcohol is cringe and Kava's in. Presenting Kava Hall, Kava Spirit. Kava Hall is the all-natural, plant-based, non-alcoholic buzz you've been looking for. Each bottle contains 10 servings of the legendary, potent, delicious kava root extract combined with an exotic, fresh blend of organic ginger. It's pure magic with none of the guilt. Some will call it harm reduction, but you'll just call it a good time. I give you the Schizotopia guarantee that you're going to love it. So secure your pre-order of Kava Hall now by clicking the Kava link in the description. Mmm, Kava Hall. It's like Lemuria in a bottle. Um, I remember when I was a kid, some of my favorite B movies were the Philadelphia Experiment and the Philadelphia Experiment 2. And the first one, it's supposedly based on a true story about the government uh, was able to teleport a battleship. And the second mm -hmm. one, they accidentally send a, a stealth bomber back in time and they give the Nazis a, a nuke and they it messes up um it messes up our timeline. Whatever. They were silly movies, but they always really stuck with me. And uh, I guess what I'm getting at is, is you know, where is this technology coming from? Is it alien technology? Is it technological breakthroughs we made decades ago that were uh, that the government is hiding? I mean, what what, mm -hmm. what can you tell us about this? And I, first thing I'll say is I don't have all the answers. I think that you shouldn't trust anybody who claims to have all the answers. Uh, what I've seen in UFOlogy too is that there's a lot of people that do claim to have all these answers out there, right? And that's not something I'm out here doing. I'm just telling you what the evidence uh, is and what the evidence says in my personal opinion. 
And that's what I will be doing here again, which is my opinion is that we can't be the secretly advanced without some sort of help. So I think that this, these videos, uh, if true, do prove that we have some type of reverse engineering program of potentially UAPs um, consistent with what David Grush whistleblower has said to Congress, to what uh, representatives Moshwitz, Luna, uh, Gates, and Burchette have been saying that we have this reverse engineering program. I would say that it's most likely Lockheed Martin Tech, but it could be Northrop Grumman or uh, Boeing themselves, Bigelow, some of these other companies that have huge billion-dollar contracts with the government and DoD. Uh, but there's also this possibility that it could be, you know, non-human intelligence for sure. Can't can't quite rule it out. And then I would also say that there's a possibility that we don't need any of that to explain this. I mean, does does everybody think that we just stopped? Um, looking into uh, you know quantum mechanics when we split the atom back in the 40s and, and dropped a nu uh, nuclear bomb on people, like what do you think we've been doing for the last 80 years? You know that's a long time. Uh, I would guess that the DOE Department of Energy has been you know looking into these types of concepts and they've figured out ways where you know maybe they've unlocked the secrets of the universe, so to speak. In terms of what I'm speaking of here is uh, a unification theory of quantum and macro, and I think that as time goes on, the unification theory of quantum and macro will be made public. I think that it's already been unlocked by maybe even more than one person out there. And I think it's being withheld for national defense purposes because it's so big. Not only will it break the minds of many people out there to realize that we are potentially in a simulation of sorts of construct, however you want to refer to it, but that also that they've just been getting lied to for our whole lives about what's possible. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that it is, any of those things are possible. I don't know for sure. Um, but the best evidence that I have, the best things I've been told by sources and my best just theories are that this is somehow reverse engineered. That also doesn't necessarily mean that we're being visited. It could, but I think that it means at least that we've uncovered something archeologically, right? That we found evidence of either past civilization or potentially beings that were visiting us once upon a time. Not really sure. So what is this theory? unification theory oh the unification of quantum and macro so i would urge everybody who's not familiar to google double slit experiment and watch it it's the greatest mystery in physics by far and when i watched it and realized that this science is true it's experiment that they can do and in this experiment very briefly they try to shoot one photon think of like shooting an apple through one of two slits and when you do that you would expect okay if i have a a, a wall on the other side i'm going to have like apples in two lines on the wall based on which slit the apple goes through when I throw it at the, at the slits. But what ends up happening when we shoot the photons through is it creates a wave pattern. But that doesn't make any sense because if we're shooting just one photon, how come we're seeing a wave pattern on the detector? We should be seeing just two slits. We either went through one or the other, right? It's a photon. So it's acting like a wave. And then we say, okay, well, let's set up our own detector, our watcher, to see which one it goes through, which slit it's going through because this doesn't seem possible. And when we do that, the wave function breaks down. The pattern changes. It now becomes two slits. And now we can tell which one it's going through. But the wave pattern only breaks down when we look. This is essentially the equivalent of magic. They've even been able to prove that if you take light, if you do the same experiment with light from stars that are billions of years away, billions of light years away, the wave pattern still breaks down, which almost proves that, I mean, in my mind, it proves that we are in some sort of simulation. Because if that light is a billion years old when it gets to us, how can it change just by looking at it now, a billion years later? That means it has to change all going back to a billion years ago when it first was uh, emitted from its source. So the double slit experiment brings about what we refer to as non-locality, 
which is somehow the ability in my mind, what it means is that the universe is conscious of itself. It knows we're looking. Um, but it also brings about quantum entanglement and quantum teleportation, which is the ability for information to move faster than the speed of light. It means that somehow when we look, the uh, probabilistic nature of which slit the photon goes through breaks down, right? And that can only happen because it has that, inf that change has to be happening faster than the speed of light. And this is how the Chinese have proven that they can teleport quantum teleport information. I think I was just looking it up earlier, even 2017, they were able to quantum teleport information 800 miles away. And what they mean there is they're able to transfer information faster than the speed of light. Um, and that's huge. Because then the question is, okay, why can't we do that to an object that's larger? Right? Is there really a difference between a neutron star and the atom? If the only thing that's different is their size, and size doesn't matter, what matters is potentially just the properties, and the properties can denote the behavior. If you can have a neutron star act the same as an atom can, then a 777 should be able to act the same as an atom too under the right circumstances if we change its properties. And that's what we think was happening here in these videos is that these orbs are acting like electrons around a nucleus. The nucleus is the plane. And they're getting the, uh, you know, in layman's terms, essentially, they're getting the plane to convert to a quantum state. And when it converts to a quantum state, now you can do the same thing that we see in the double slit experiment. We can have the wave function, excuse me, the wave function break down or the wave function rebuild itself. We can go from a deterministic point to a probabilistic one. Um, it could also be a, a wormhole. Now, it's not a wormhole in the conventional sense of going through a portal, but more of a wormhole in the sense that we've got three orbs and there's a fourth orb somewhere else, wherever we want the destination to be. And we entangle those three orbs to the fourth orb. And then when the orbs, if we watch the thermal video, the drone video, you can actually see the orbs converge on the plane in the final moments. This is what's uh, inducing the singularity to occur. This is what's causing this pop to happen, where all of a sudden you see this dark, cold event, and then poof, the plane's not there anymore because it's simply moving faster than the frame rate, faster than the speed of light, potentially even. And it's going to the destination of the fourth orb. Um, so I'm still working with engineers, uh, physicists, uh, to figure out, okay, which of these things, which of these theories is correct? Are they all correct, right? Um, and I'm since I'm not a PhD or was never really a, a scientist before this, just more, more of an investigator, this has been a journey for me to understand the science, but I am 100% confident that the science will be proven one day, potentially in the near future. And I think it will be made public. It's just a matter of how long do we have to wait? Five years, one year, 10 years, 100 years, whenever the, uh, you know, the military industrial complex want, thinks that we're worthy of it. Um, once you get into, you know, wormholes, bending space time, uh, quantum physics, observer effect, this sort of thing, uh, I feel like you've kind of opened the door to time travel. I mean, have you heard much speculation about, you know, this is technology that's being sent to us from the future or from our um, our progeny? Yeah, so I don't believe in the future human hypothesis because you can't break causality, right? If you break causality, now you have a paradox. Is what happens if, uh, you know, you kill your parents and so now you were never born, right? And so because of that, I find it hard to believe that we can go in the past. You can definitely move to the future because time dilation is real. Just like the movie Interstellar, I actually blew my mind when I watched that movie. I said, wait, is this real? You know, they go to a planet that's near a black hole, which means there's a ton of mass, which means that your time slows down when you're, the more mass you're near. The only reason why we don't feel it is because we're all on the same planet with the same amount of general mass. But even if you go into outer space, your time is going to move faster than if you're on the planet. Now it's going to be very slight. 
But in the movie, they go near a black hole, which is a huge amount of mass. So what this means is while they're on the black hole, when they're looking back at the space station, the space station would look like it's moving super fast to them. And this is how time dilation reconciles itself. And if you're on the space station, you're looking at the planet, it's going to look like the Matthew McConaughey on the planet is moving in slow motion. So they get stuck on the planet for an hour or two, and they finally get off the planet. From their perspective, their time is moving normally. They get back to the, to the space station, and it's been 20 years for the, space sta for the people on the space station. This is a real effect. Now, that's an extreme example of the effect, but it's an absolutely real effect out there in terms of time dilation. What this means then is if this plane is going at the speed of light, it's going to experience a time dilation effect proportionate to the distance traveled. The further it travels, the further it's going to, quote unquote, show up in the future. For the people on the plane, it's going to appear instantaneously. It's going to happen immediately. But when they show up, it might be in the future for us. Um, so that's very possible. Uh, the only way you can go to the past, though, is if you were somehow changed timelines or think of it as going to another dimension. Um, but that, you know, that does bring up things like the Mandela effect. Like if there is a way to break causality, then maybe that can explain stuff like the Mandela effect where Fruit of the Loom used to have a cornucopia or Skechers was spelt with a K or you know, all these other things that people think about, which are kind of interesting. I always like Philip K. Dick's idea that we live in the most actualized universe, but we're surrounded by semi-actualized universe mm -hmm. uh, universes. So we're we're always we're part of. It's not exactly a multiverse, but it's more like a pluriform universe, um, and, and reality is always sort of struggling to actualize itself. Um, but you know, if you're talking about, you mentioned the simulation hypothesis. Um, you know, if you're talking about a universe that ultimately isn't real or it's being simulated somehow, I mean, it does beg the question. Who is it being simulated by? Yeah. And I think that's the ultimate, uh, that's probably been my biggest uh, area of discovery is that I've become more spiritual the more I've learned about the science. And I was already becoming more spiritual just from learning that stuff like macroscopic quantum decoherence was real, which is the double slit experiment, essentially, even before these videos. Um, but there, it, what I've learned is there's not a, um, there's no, like faith is completely consistent with science is that if there is a simulation, then that means there would have to be a creator of sorts, right? It had to have come from somewhere. And then that, I think that's the reason why a lot of the people who are my followers are actually people of faith as well, is that I, I wouldn't have thought that originally when I was digging into these videos, but the more I've dug into it, I thought, huh, you know, this actually is very supportive of, of religion in general. And I think it's the people that are on the opposite spectrum that have a harder time believing it because they're the ones who've been told that, no, this is all there is to the world. There's nothing special with the world, et cetera. Um, and, and yeah, then the question, though, what I would say is that just because we might live in a simulation, a matrix, a holographic principle, whatever you want to call it, does not take away from the value of life at all. You know, I think it's very special that we're here on this planet at the same time talking to one another right now. I think that what's important is the time that we have on this planet and the people we spend it with. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that that shouldn't take anything away from the sanctity of life whatsoever. I, I had a Raelian guy on this podcast once, and you know they believe that aliens created uh, life on Earth, and that one day we're we're going to rejoin the aliens. But you know, I asked him, well, where who created the aliens then? And he said, aliens created them, and aliens created them, and aliens created them, and it's all just one big giant time loop of aliens creating each other. And I thought, okay, I mean that's an interesting view. It's a it's a it's its own kind of uh, uh, UFO or alien religion. I don't know if you have any in your in your deep diving lately. I mean, have you come across any like ancient alien stuff that you found compelling? Yeah. Um, even before this, you know, I was watching, I think it's Graham Hancock's uh, Ancient Apocalypse. I kind of wish he gave it a better name because it's really just him going to archaeological sites like Galaki Tepe. Uh, I think I'm saying that correctly. 
in Turkey. And it's like, they've got Stonehenge configurations that go back tens of thousands of years. Stonehenge mm-hmm. is only like a few thousand years old or maybe 5,000, I think. And then the question is like, well, if these people were just hunter gatherers, how the heck did they build all this stuff? Right. It definitely mm-hmm. makes me wonder if civilization's not older than we had anticipated, or if we've been reset, so to speak. I think just if we look at humans and how advanced we are and how just from a biological standpoint, but also technological standpoint, it seems like our civilization should have history going back hundred thousand or more years. And yet we have like 10,000 years of history, recorded history. Um, so I don't know about like a lot of ancient alien stuff in general. I'm open to pretty much everything at this point. I mean, when you've taken a red pill, that's this harsh, uh, you really have to have an open mind about pretty much everything, but I, I, um, remain a person of logic and reason. And I really need to see the strong evidence of those types of things. Now, what I will say is I have talked to, uh, Jaime, uh, Mousen, and he was one of the first people that from an international audience that kind of gave this case life and spread it out to other people. And he has been, you know, taking these uh, Nazca mummies and showing them to Mexican Congress and those types of things. And I think that that's the kind of evidence that we would need to really prove that there is or has been some other life forms on this planet. Uh, my personal opinion, if I, you force me into it, is I would say that the most likely scenario to me seems like an ultra terrestrial hypothesis which is that we have like cousins that are in the water still or something, or I don't know, maybe there's underground caves. I'm not really sure. Um, but that would seem to make the most sense to me just because I think interstellar travel still seems like it has a lot of uh, limitations, but if we can move faster than the speed of light, then that really uh, kind of shatters some of those limitations. Okay. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have tried to debunk these videos um, so the first thing I wanted to ask you about is who, who do you think released these videos to begin with and yeah. why would they do it? Yeah. So I think we've been able to identify the person. This is probably some of the investigation that I am most proud of in general as an investigator is one day I was sitting there a couple months after we had started this investigation and I'm just going, man, I've got a really good psychological profile for the person who would have released these videos. You know, I'm going, well, this person's probably U S military. Cause we're looking at U S military, uh, videos. So they're probably an operator because this drone video, normally you see them in black and white, but they removed the HUD information. They colorized it using the onboard Raytheon software. They probably had an emotional reaction because the regicide and on video says received March 12th, but it wasn't uploaded until May 19th. So there's only four days between the plane going missing and them receiving it, which tells me, okay, somebody saw this and freaked out. They probably had to convince regicide and on the videos are real. It says source protected on there. So just like us back in 2014, we had no basis to understand the footage to be real. Meaning that regicide non probably didn't either. So the person probably had to come out and be like, yep, I'm a you know US Navy person and here's I was there, I saw it, right? They cropped the drone out of the satellite video, which is really weird. It tells me that they probably weren't even thinking about releasing the drone video. And then when nobody paid attention to it, they said, okay, drop the drone video, right? And then lastly, they might've thought that they were looking at UFOs themselves only to be later told that, no, this was US technology. You just gave away our Trump card for the military. And the reason for that is that the video says, Satellite video, airliner, and UFOs. It doesn't say satellite video and Lockheed Martin's secret technology, right? So I'm digging around and I'm looking at all the big cases for espionage, will for attention to classified data and U.S. defense information. I was having no luck. It took me, I think, two weeks. And I started searching for date ranges. And I started narrowing the date ranges down 2014 to like 2017. And then I find him, Lieutenant Commander Edward C. Lynn. I'd been sitting here talking about the SIGINT system, the SIBR system, which is the satellite system that's scanning the earth. 
And SIGINT, Signals Intelligence, is like how all these assets are connected. You can even Google SIGINT payload right now. And at the very top hit, we'll reference the MQ1C Gray Eagle. That's our drone that we're staring at. So on every single article about this guy, it's talking about his SIGINT uh, knowledge and, and information. He's part of the Special Project Squadron 2, the VPU-2. Flew in both the P-8 Poseidon, which is a spy plane, as well as the Lockheed Martin EP-3E Ares-2, which when I looked up this EP-3E Ares-2, it's got real-time tactical SIGINT and full motion video intelligence. Crew fuses collected intelligence along with offboard data for battlefield situational awareness. This guy's actual job was to relay this information to upper command. They gave his uh, charges, uh, again, the case against him, a code name, Rogue Archer. His last deployment, the dates are so damning. His last deployment was February 2014 when he gets assigned. It's supposed to be a two-year assignment. He gets reassigned a month later on March 25th, 2014, just two weeks after the plane goes missing. The investigation into him begins April 2nd, 2014. And I'll go here and I'll say at this point, we had to piece all this together from like 20 different news articles. Um, not There's not one that has this all laid out. We had to just find everything there was. I read every single article about this. May of 2014, he leaves two flight manifests in his flight suit from a deployment that included search and rescue code names. So they let this guy like be out there. After they reassign him, he doesn't have a new assignment. His next assignment's the brig, but they wait to arrest him. They don't arrest him until 2015, September of 2015. And presumably because they were they don't want people to be able to connect it together. If they arrest this guy in May of 2014, they're going to be like, wait, is this connected to MH370? I mean, given all the evidence that I'm talking about right now, so the most damning evidence is that the defense argued the classified information in question is available on the internet. So if it's not these videos that he released, what classified information would they be coming down on this guy so hard? They actually try to charge him with espionage that would have resulted in life in prison, full life sentence. First major incident of espionage by an active duty member of the Navy since the end of the Cold War. They redact his entire three-page charge sheet. There's basically no information that can be gleaned from it. We even tried to use AI, and we can't get anything out of it. He's privy to the Navy's black program portfolio with top secret and compartmentalized access to technology. We look up on his Facebook. He's friends with General Flynn on Facebook, which tells me he's completely very connected. Um, he had knowledge that would be extremely useful to potential U.S. adversaries. They had to treat him really well, and they had to make sure he couldn't talk to anybody. It was not really a spy case. All the charges against him were obfuscated. They even charged him with prostitution. Turns out there was no evidence that he exchanged any information with anyone from China. They abused him while he's in pretrial detainment. This goon squad abused him. That was apparently directed by upper, um, upper leadership, and he was as well-documented. The agents didn't properly advise him of his crimes when he was under interrogation or his right to an attorney. Uh, they held him in pretrial detainment, but the emails listed as compelling evidence to deny his release appeared to be just completely mundane. They wouldn't show the real evidence for why this guy was so dangerous to release. The judge even said he had a dangerous pattern of disclosure of classified information, but didn't point to any disclosures of classified information in the ruling. The defense was, uh, everything was completely obfuscated, as I mentioned, and he ended up getting forced into a plea deal. Um, and he essentially said that he took responsibility for the charges he was actually guilty of. And he said he wanted to stand as an example for what people shouldn't do. We strongly believe that he was told that that wasn't UFOs. You damaged you know, real intelligence. And the government had a compelling interest to have him be in a plea deal because they need to make sure he never talked about these videos ever again. Because if he does, then everything comes out. So his plea deal got three years shaved off because he worked with the FBI and NCIS. He might have even outed the people that he gave the information to as well. So I was like, okay, I'm going to FOIA FBI and NCIS. And the FBI still hasn't responded. The NCIS responded within a week. 
and they rejected my FOIA in total. I said, give me everything you have about the case. They wouldn't give me a single thing. They referenced an Obama era executive order to be kept secret in the interest of national defense or foreign policy, which I would tell you, well, we just learned that it's not really a spy case. So why would it be foreign policy unless it's MH370? And I can understand why it would be national defense because the technology we're talking about here is most likely being hidden for the purposes of national defense. I think that this technology could even be used in the wrong ways, lead to a doomsday event. So it makes sense to me that why they would be keeping it hidden and why they wouldn't give me a single thing. I mean, most likely we'd be able to find dates or something that's going to tie him to these videos directly. All right. So I went through uh, and looked at a lot of people who have been trying to debunk the mm-hmm. uh, original videos, FX, um, VFX guys uh, and the like, um, you know, a lot of these people have pointed out that they could recreate these videos more or less with um, their own computers with, with blender or this sort of thing. Um, I know you spent a lot of time uh, trying to debunk the debunkers and talking about, you know, things about the video, how it was shot. Um, e- even things like the, the mouse that you see in the, the, um, the video of the, the video, the video of the screen uh, that's being recorded it, it is actually a military issued mouse, this sort of thing. Um, if you could just, you know, give me a rundown of uh, your response to the debunkers. I know you offered money, like $140,000, yeah. yeah, so, I believe it is. Yeah. So first of all, nobody's come even remotely close to recreating the videos. Um, like, and I mean, not even remotely close. Even I'm not even going to give a lot of these people any credit or anything like that. They're out there, but you know, some of these people that claim to be major VFX studios that have millions of followers and are subscribers on YouTube couldn't even create five seconds of the video. That's how pathetic the attempts have been. And it's the attempts that have been out there are just laughably bad. Um, and that goes to show that these videos are authentic and they, they can't be recreated is the reality of it. Now, maybe with infinite time and infinite resources in 2023 while using AI and comparing to the videos that are out there, maybe you could come up with something that's passable. But keep in mind, these would have been original works. So the people out there would not have had the benefit of comparing to it, modifying things to make them match, et cetera. Uh, so really, there's nobody who's even come remotely close. I think that the one thing that people think out there is that somehow we're looking at a low-quality 90s video game two-dimensional asset, but we're looking at two different uh, camera views. So what does it mean is you'd have to build a full 3D-rendered environment for this. We're seeing volumetric clouds that have clear parallax when we zoom in that actually move as well. You know, this is, we're not looking at fake videos here. And we're so confident that we've had Kim.com put up a $100,000 bounty, which was joined by Chad and Sherry of the Investigate Earth podcast, who added another 20,000. And then I had a wealthy follower who has run for higher office, reach out to me directly, had a phone conversation with them. They have the money. They threw in another 25,000. I'm about to throw in my own 5,000 as well, just to round it out. But Right now, officially, $145,000 to anyone who can find the supposed hoaxer of these videos and bring their source files. Because it's not like they would just produce this final product and that's it. They would have spent at least weeks, at minimum weeks, if not months. We've had Jeffrey Ford, who is a lead VFX artist for uh, Marvel movies, including, I believe, Endgame, Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man No Way Home, said it would take four to six months to produce these videos. Because you have to come with a storyboard, you have to investigate how what these assets look like. And that's you have to do all this before you even begin to create them. So there would be a whole hard drive full of work that the supposed hoaxer would have put together to create these videos. And if anyone can bring that hard drive as well as the hoaxer forward, then they can collect $145,000. This bounty may even go up by the time this podcast has been released or in the future. Um, and I don't think they're ever going to find it. 
I mean, now if we found a leaker to the level of specificity that I just went through with you guys, then there's no excuse for anyone to not be able to find this hoaxer. We have got hundreds of millions of impressions across social media, not just my content, but you know, content of everybody else who's been pushing this out there. This is getting national worldwide attention. There's no excuse for somebody not to come forward. If this person is someone who created this, they're getting a job with any studio they want in the whole world. You know, these are some of the best work that anyone would have ever seen. Um, so, you know, once again, every single debunk can be explained. And a lot of the stuff that people have tried to debunk in the past have just further authenticated the videos. So we're extremely confident um, that, you know, no one will ever potentially come forward. No one will ever be able to accept this money, as, although I wish they would. Uh, and that one day I hope these videos are admitted and declassified by the government so that we can get the truth of this technology. Okay. Um, but this is what's been weighing on me is that over the past couple of years, you know, we've had the Tic Tac video, um, uh, which we already discussed. We've had this mystery airship where, where president Biden was, was, uh, you know, shooting down unknown aircraft and uh, flying over North America. Um, mm -hmm. we've had, you know, supposed alleged um, disclosure where we've had government officials on Capitol Hill saying mm -hmm. that they're in possession of uh, alien biologics, um, yep. i.e. alien corpses, alien bodies, uh, Area 51 type of stuff. And I think I and a lot of people are kind of suspicious about why the government is all of a sudden um, teasing us with this stuff. Is it because they know something's uh, going to be revealed to us? Or is it because it's like a, a way to keep us distracted from more uh, mundane terrestrial concerns. And I guess what I, what I'm getting at is, you know, is it possible that this is a uh, state sanctioned hoax? And that the reason why you're not going to have anyone coming forward to take the money is because either the U S government or another government uh, created these videos and obviously had the, the means and uh, to, 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 mm -hmm. to produce um, uh, these convincing videos either to make us doubt the U S government or to just kind of help push this. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. UFO scare. Yeah. So first thing I want to say is the Tic Tac videos themselves actually were out there for nine years and they were conclusively debunked until they were declassified. So I think that that's just kind of an interesting comparison as well, that sometimes we need our collective conscious to rise to a point where we can believe stuff to be real. Um, I think that conspiracy theorists uh, get a little bit too caught up in their own head sometimes where everything is controlled opposition or everything's a distraction from everything else. Like, where does that get to? Like, what's the ultimate thing that is not a distraction? Is a plane full of 239 people disappearing and advanced technology would reshape the whole world? What, what is that distracting from exactly? Are these wars that are simply about money, the thing that they're distracted from, is that the most important thing? Because I would argue those are distracting from real problems that people have, where people out there have nothing down the street. People are living homeless when they don't need to be. People are going hungry when they don't need to be. Um, to me, those are the real things. The distractions are what we see on the news, which is these wars that are meaningless. People are dying for no reason. They're just essentially for the military industrial complex to keep getting paid um, out there. So that's kind of how I would counter that type of stuff with respect to the PSYOP angle, as I refer to it, the government making these videos, to what end? Are they, if they put these videos on CNN, what is the average CNN brain person going to think? They're going to, are they, do you think they're going to think that aliens took the plane? No. The first thing they're going to think is the government's lying. The government did something to this plane, right? It implicates the government directly. So that's why the idea that the government made these videos just doesn't make any sense. And I'd be open to a story if it did, but it's not distracting from anything bigger. They never promoted these videos. I'm the one who's been revealing them. And I'm certainly not on the side of hiding uh, this technology or distracting from anything else. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I guess, my argument there is, you know, what, what is this thing that they're distracting from that's somehow more important than 
advanced technology that will reshape the whole world and finally getting the truth about this plane? Um, I mean, when I say distraction, it's like, if you don't want to talk about the war in Ukraine, if you don't want to talk about the war in the Middle East, if you don't want to talk about um, COVID, if you don't want to talk about all of the, if you don't want to talk about the social decay that you just mentioned, it's kind of like, almost like war of the worlds, you know, if you if you wave this kind of scary uh, alien threat in people's faces, um, it, it's juicy, it gets people going. And then I even think that, um, you know, even if people don't really believe the story that they're being told, that also kind of instills a sense of, well, then the government must be up to, up to something else. And even that sort of becomes a distraction. And like you were saying, the conspiracy people work themselves into knots. But sometimes I think that's kind of the point. You know, you don't have to push the internet very hard uh, to get people to do precisely that, to, to distract themselves, to get tied up in their own little, um, their own little solipsistic uh, RICO cases. Um, so, you know, you make these high quality uh, hoax videos, you put them online and you just kind of wait for people to take the bait and start, you know, uh, gnawing at each other. Uh, over their authenticity and over what they really mean. Um, and that keeps people kind of distracted. I do think that that is at least possible. That seems I mean, that's completely like, ridiculous to me, honestly. I mean, nine years later, they waited nine years for this, for me to show up and, and do this. Like, unless I'm being manip manipulated in the hoax, then it makes no sense to me at all. And I don't think people are so simple-minded they can only focus on one thing at a time. Uh, that that these are the main reasons why I really hate this idea of distractions. In fact, I think that when you when you feed into this idea that everything's a distraction, you're actually working to the government's benefit. If people are trying yeah. to hide these videos, that's exactly what they want you to think. They want you to think that's a distraction that you shouldn't pay attention to it. They want you to think that nothing can be real except for what they tell you. And that's the thing that I'm against is that I think that people need to be thinking critically that they can have two ideas in their head at the same time, that you can still care about, COVID, the war in Ukraine, or whatever else you want. My personal opinion is those things are in, inconsequential compared to the weight of what these videos lead to. I think these videos lead to solve the real problems that we have in this society. Um, so to me, there's no bigger thing than these videos uh, and the implications of them. I think that most people that think about the technology, especially when we're talking about room temperature superconductivity, will realize that this is the type of technology that will obsolete fossil fuels. If you believe in green energy, there's your answer. Do you think that we should be moving away from chemical propulsion, cars that are using combustion? There's your answer. I think that the people within government, there's two factions. One that thinks this is too dangerous for people. And then there's a faction that says, I can't live with myself knowing that I go in and do experiments on technology that could change the world. And then I go get in my gas powered car that's polluting and go back to this divided world that we have. You know, I think these videos can bring unity to us and give us a common purpose where right now everybody's just at each other's throats about every single thing. A lot of those topics you just mentioned, those are the topics that are dividing us. <laughs> this is not something that should be dividing us. This is something that should be bringing us together. So that's my official stance. So do you think there's more videos out there like this? Have you found anything else similar? What do you think we're going to see coming forward? Because yeah. it's if if mm -hmm. disclosure really is coming, it feels like the the dam has broken in the last couple of years. Yeah, that's a great question. And the reality is I don't really have time for a lot of other videos. I mean, I think people send me a lot of stuff that's similar, uh, but I haven't seen anything that's this compelling. I would guess if these videos are real, there definitely, definitely has to be other stuff like this that's being that's classified, not in the public sphere, though. Stuff maybe even more incredible than this wouldn't surprise me at this point. Um, I don't think disclosure is coming anytime soon, not from the government. I think they'll never admit it. I think that as we've seen, I think some of the reports coming out today about the uh, UAP bill that that's going to be completely watered down 
Um, the DOD is not going to let this stuff come out. I think that you've got too many uh, hard-minded people in the military, the ones that make the decisions, that believe that this is a matter of both keeping this technology uh, for national defense purposes so that China, Russia, our adversaries don't have it, as well as it being simply too dangerous for uh, co common people to have. That's my personal opinion on that. I think that they will drag this out 50 or 100 more years. In our lifetimes, we will never have disclosure. I think the true disclosure can only come from these videos, publicly available information, and from the public itself, citizens that basically demand the answers. And even if we can't get the answer then, because they, they, maybe they can never admit it, the government, then at least we can get to a situation where everybody knows that they lied about what happened to this plane. And they know that a plane can't crash in the South Indian Ocean without leaving a debris field, without any acoustic detections, without leaving a black box that we find. Um, and then they know that, okay, something else happened that is you know, perhaps incredible, but we can start to have these conversations about you know, how do we disclose this technology without destroying ourselves? All right, Mr. Forbes, thank you very much. I know you've been making the rounds on some pretty big podcasts, so I appreciate you stopping by Little Schizotopia. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had a great time. Um, where can people find you? What, what would you recommend people who are trying to look into this stuff? Where, where should they start? Yeah, and there's a lot more out there in terms of the evidence. We went through just a you know a small amount of it right now. So if people are really interested and compelled by this case, uh, you can follow me on at JustXAshton on Twitter or as well on YouTube. Just to be fully transparent, I have been streaming on YouTube pretty much every single night. We've been having a lot of fun going over hyper-advanced technology, the science behind it, the patents that are out there, the scientific papers that support it. And then we throw some memes in there just to have a little bit of fun and switch it up just to show that you know I'm just a real person here as well trying to get this information out there. I also want to thank your audience and you as well, Schizotopia. Um, I have been going on podcasts of various sizes because, again, I'm just a real person that wants to talk to everybody. I also highly support alternative media. I think that alternative media is the future for information and where we can get true, true information and not have it be filtered through the lens of what the government wants to be said. So that's where you guys can find me, and I appreciate you listening today. All right. Thanks, man.